Hello, Mountain. Happy belated Thanksgiving. Did, did you have a chance to express some thanks? That's so important to do, isn't it? You know, we all have thanks in us, but it gives us an opportunity to just think about the blessings we have and muster up and express thanks. That's such a good thing to do, and I hope you had a chance to do it. I am thankful for you, for the Mountain family, for all the folk at our campus. I love this place, and I, I think I hope you do too. Say, you know, this last week, Time Magazine had... Um, a thing they featured uh, 100 of the most influential photographs of all time. And uh, you would have recognized a lot of them. There was, uh, you know, the JFK picture from the assassination. There, there was the Tiananmen Square where the protester is standing uh, in front of the moving tanks. But the one, that, the one that stood out to me was this one here. It's called Earthrise. Earthrise. It's 1968. Apollo 8 was the first manned uh, ship to uh, orbit the moon. And by the way, on planet Earth, there was a lot going on at that time. It was, it was uh, Vietnam War. It was a bloody year. It was awful protesting and angsty stuff going on. And these guys are up there. They come around the backside of the moon. And as they do, they look out the hatch window, and their kind of breath is taken away, and they see this little floating ball of blue and white, and it dawns on them, that's Earth. That's home. And Bill Anders floats over to the window and he snaps that now timeless and influential picture. It really changed the way that we came to look at the world. It was the first time we looked back at it in that way ever. And it brought a whole new perspective on this habitation of ours. A whole new way, almost like a heavenly perspective. And I got to thinking about that. That's so important for all of us to be able to have is a way of looking at the world, maybe from the way God would, you know, to look at the world, not from the way you would if you're just marching around on the planet, but look at the world the way God sees the world and feels about the world, thinks about the world. No place in the Bible does that better or more famously than that verse, John 3.16, that says... Not only did God create the earth, but then God so loved the world. So loved the world. And he loved it in such a way that he unleashed love in an extravagant manner by coming among us, by sending his own son, so that whoever on that planet, whoever would believe, trust, and follow, obey that Lord Jesus would not have to die and sort of rot into the soil of that planet, but live forever. Amazing. Amazing. That's an incredible way of looking at the world. It's a whole different way of looking at the world that God not just created the planet, but loves the world. Wow. That's a different way of looking at things, isn't it? You know, the word in the original language, it's Greek, and it's, it's the word, God so loved the world. The word for world is cosmos there. Cosmos. We get a, an English word out of that. You might recognize it's the English word um, cosmos. Yeah, you probably recognize that. But, you know, there's other words for world. And they're the ones that point to like the physical earth, like the dirt, the terrestrial stuff. And there's other words, but this is not that one. This, when God so loved the cosmos, it refers to the people, the human race. God so loved the people that he unleashed love in this special way. When God looks out the hatch of heaven, he doesn't see a floating terrestrial ball. He sees people. Jesus looked at the crowds. They saw, they saw a sea of humanity. Jesus sees people, the Bible says. He was moved with compassion. 
When God looks at you and me, he has a fundamental disposition of love, a self-giving, reaching, stretching, unleashing love. It's an incredibly different way and a powerful and beautiful way of looking at the world. And that's why we sometimes say, you know, God is the first missionary. <laughs> you ever think of that? God is a missionary God. God leaves the, com- the, the comforts of his abode and comes to be with us. And, you, and the way that he unleashes love still today on this world, in this world is by tapping ordinary people to say, now I want you to unleash love. He spills love into us and then says, now you go and unleash love. That's the method. That's the model. That's what he does. It starts in Genesis chapter 12. You might remember that passage where he taps a man named Abram in his old age and says, Abram, Abram, leave your country your people, your father's household. In other words, everything you, you love and everything you're comfortable with. I want you to leave it all behind and go to the land I will show you. Leave and go. God is always calling us to take a step of faith. He's calling you to take a step of faith right now, one way or another. And sometimes that step of faith involves leaving something comfortable and cherished and close and releasing it in order to go and to do and to be what we're meant to be. And for Abram, it meant leaving home. God might be calling you to do that. And then verse 2, God continues and he says, uh, I will make you into a great nation. And follow this now. He says, Abram, I will bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing. You see that? I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And then the people of all the earth, peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. God wants to unleash love to the whole cosmos, all the peoples of the earth, and the way he does it is by blessing you and me just like he blessed Abram to be the people of God so that we can be a blessing to others. You are blessed. Finish it for me. To be a blessing. Say that with me. You are blessed. If you are blessed and you are, pay attention. It's for a reason. It's not for your enjoyment. It's to be caught up in the mission of God, to love the world, to unleash love, to be a blessing. That's why we say it this way, this kind of theme verse we've been using in recent weeks. 1 Thessalonians 3.12, which says, May the Lord pour on the love so that it fills your lives and then splashes over on everyone around you. You may be blessed so that you can be a blessing. Powerful, powerful concept. You flip over in your Bible a page or two, and you get to Exodus 3, and God taps another one on the shoulder, because now the children of Abraham are not unleashing love so well. They're actually leashed up themselves as slaves in captivity in Egypt, right? And God sees the plight, sees the problem, taps another very ordinary guy. This one, a shepherd whose name is Moses. He thinks his life agenda from then on out is to be a shepherd. And God says, I got other plans for you. Sometimes we think our agenda is just so small. It's so It's so capsulated. We just get this idea of what our life is supposed to be like. And God sometimes taps us and gets our attention and says, I got bigger fish for you to fry. I want you to get caught up in my mission. That's what happened to Moses. You remember how he got his attention? He's uh, he's out there tending sheep and the bush catches fire and the bush does not become consumed. And and then the voice comes out of the bush and says, Moses, you better be taking off your shoes because the ground where you're standing is holy ground because I'm here. And he identifies himself as the God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, the same one who sent 
Abram to be a blessing. He says, now I'm tapping you, Moses. You go be a blessing. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. I'm sending you. And friends, listen. Our new Jesus, the one God sent to be on our new Moses, Jesus, gives you and me the same exact words. Go. I need you to be a blessing. I'm sending you. It's your turn to unleash love. And like Moses, we all have a fistful of excuses why we can't and why it won't work. Moses throws them all at God. Oh, listen, um, you got the wrong guy. I, I can't talk so good. I, uh, they won't believe me. What if it doesn't work? I, and we're, so, we're so riddled with insecurity. We know our hidden sin. We know all the problems that we have. We know, and finally, Moses just says, you know what? Really send someone else. And you can do that and say, I'm going to go back and be a shepherd for my whole life. And you will miss out on your mission and the mission of God. And I love what God does. He says to us the same thing he says to Moses. Look, I know all of your insecurities and I know how you're paralyzed and how you would love to just live your little life walking around on this ball, just doing the things that you think are your agenda, but I have such a bigger vision for you and I know exactly who I'm talking to and I know exactly who you are and what you've done and all of that. And God takes that murdering, shepherd, stuttering Moses and uses him to lead his people and God knows what he's dealing with with you and with me. He says, I always put my treasure in cracked jars, vessels, earth and clay. I, I, I know exactly how to work with jars of clay like you. That's the only kind I have. And it turns out if it's a cracked jar, that's how the love gets leashed out, I guess. I don't know. And so I don't know who you are today. Maybe you're Abram who got called to serve over there. Maybe you're Moses who got called to stay right where he was and serve his own people. One way or another, we're called to unleash love here, there, and everywhere. As Acts 1.8 says, Jesus says, you're going to receive, receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right where they were, in Judea and Samaria, a little further away, and the ends of the earth. In other words, here, there, and everywhere, as we've been talking about here in Unleash Love. We want to celebrate some of that today. And we want to give eyes to see some of what God's doing and tell some stories and just celebrate. what God, God is alive and at work around the world doing crazy, good, amazing things, just like he did in the days of Abraham and Moses. And we also want to open not just our eyes, but our own ears and our own hearts to say, how, God, are you inviting me out of my shepherd existence to be caught up into the mission of God in whatever way you might call me to do that? It's pretty powerful stuff. We use the word glocal around here a lot. Glocal is a combination of two words, global and local, because that's the mission of God, right? It needs to happen here and everywhere. You sometimes might get called like Abraham to serve on another continent. You sometimes, like Moses, might get called to serve just at the end of your own cul-de-sac. That's what happened to the Dobbins, and they figured out how those all worked together, and they were kind enough to share their story on video. Go ahead and watch the screen. Let's hear from the Dobbins. God has worked uh, through Mountain in our lives just in a tremendous way. Um, before we got to Mountain, we didn't really think about mission trips or going or, or, or basically in a serving manner at all. It was, we were just going about our lives with what we had to do, what we needed to accomplish, and, and what was important to us to set ourselves up for the future. And just being at Mountain has totally changed our whole outlook on that. God's work through Mountain in our lives. Um, the biggest one has been with the Young Adult Ministry. Um, we've been pretty involved for the last two years with that ministry. Also, um, the global team we've been really involved with in serving, second Saturday serves, um, 
helping set up mission trips. Uh, we've also led a mission trip before as well as gone on a mission trip down to Mexico. First mission trip we went to El Pozo uh, down in Mexico for their campus ministry and that totally in my opinion changed the trajectory of, of what we wanted to accomplish out of life. Uh, that mission trip was just it was just an amazing all-around trip with the, the individuals we got to go with, the work that we got to see that they were doing down there, and what, how, what we want to pursue in the future. We made a lot of connections, a lot of relationships on that trip. We still keep in contact with the majority of the team, even now, and it actually spurred another mission trip that we actually led to go down and build homes with El Pozo um, in Acuna, Mexico. I would say what led us to take that first step serving was after our first mission trip. I just, it hit me like, why can't I do this on a more regular basis? I don't have to leave the country to serve other people or do for others. So when we got back, we started doing little things like instead of giving each other Christmas gifts, we donated a blessing, blessings in a backpack in one another's name. Uh, and I just really wanted to focus on the local part of the global mission because that's something we can do on a regular basis right here in our backyard. If anyone's thinking about serving and they might be hesitant or they need a little encouragement, I would say it's being put on your heart for a reason. So there's a reason you feel you need to do it, so just say yes and give it a try. Um, and then just let God take you where he wants to. He'll guide you in those choices and those projects. He'll put you exactly where he wants you to be. Yeah, I love that story because it's, you know, one of the mountain families, ordinary person. God tapped them, went on a mission trip and figured out, hey, I can love like that right here at home. I, that's one thing I really appreciate, and maybe you do too, about mountain and, and just the fact that we're just sold out to not just be a huge global reaching church, you know, but to be people who are on mission right where we are in our neighborhoods, like, I, like we said, on another continent, but in our cul-de-sacs as well. Um, we uh, want to just say to everyone who's a part of Mountain, go do it. You don't need permission, you know. It's not like we got this thing and you can help. No, no, no. You got this thing. You got a mission. We can help. And you just go do it. And, and sometimes we, we partner with um, community agencies. Uh, we have 26 formal partnerships in, in just this area, Harper County and, and region area around us. And you might want to come Wednesday night, uh, or is it Thursday night? I think it's Thursday night. Hang on. Hang on. It's Thursday night. We're going to have a thing where we're going to talk about, it's called Local Outreach Celebration. Just come with your family, your, your uh, small group. We're going to talk about all the different ways you might be able to plug in and get connected uh, locally. But there are so many different partnerships we have. You want to work with kids or under-resourced families, we've got things like the Epicenter, After School Care, uh, Extreme Family Outreach, Mountain Hoops, Basketball, Indian Lake Christian Camp. You want to help with homelessness and housing issues. There are very real needs. We have three different partnerships with Habitat for Humanity, Harford Family House, and Welcome One Emergency Shelter, and some other things we're doing for homeless. You want to feed the hungry? Help with the sharing table. Do the blessings in the backpack for, for kids in our Title IX schools. How about Tap of This House and Kia's Corner and Peaceful Waters and all these ministries that we have mem members that are leading these things. Immigration issues or those who are non-native American, non-English, non-native English speakers or the, our jail ministry or our pregnancy centers. Uh, or uh, how about if you're just practical and like to fix stuff, show up on Second Saturday Serve or help with our disaster assist team that helps single moms and, and widows and others that just need help around 
the house. Not to mention the Jam Squad Cycling, Spanish Outreach, SARC for Battered Women, the Team Ministry for the Elderly, the ARC for Special Needs Adults. It goes on and on and on. There's 26 of them, and that's just the ones we happen to have partnerships with. You don't need any permission. You just need to hear Jesus say, go. Go. I hope you do. That's, that's, that's how our lives get caught up in the mission of God. Um, now, this is Gick Week, Global Impact Celebration, and so we've got all these global partners all over the world that are kind of convened, and we just want to fill their cup and bless them and love on them, and they're also going to enrich us. And I want you to meet one of those people right now. Uh, it'll be an old friend to some of you and a brand new friend to many others. Uh, before I do, let me remind you of a story I've probably told you before about a man who's walking along the beach and he sees a young boy. And the young boy is doing something, he can't tell what it is. He comes closer and he sees that there are, the, the, the beach is strewn with starfish that have washed up on the shore. And the young boy is bending over one at a time and picking up those starfish and hurling them back into the surf. And the man looks at the boy and says, what are you doing? He says, well, you see the, the surf has washed these starfish up and they were stranded on the sand and if someone doesn't pick them up and throw them back in, they're going to die. And the old, somewhat more cynical man just looks up and down the beach and says, boy, there's hundreds of miles of beach here. There are literally thousands and thousands of starfish. You can't, <laughs> you can't make a difference. And the little boy just reached down. He picked up another starfish threw it back into the water. He said, I made a difference for that one. And it's a good reminder of how, despite how overwhelming it is when you consider global poverty and the needs of the lost and the ache and groans of our planet, how each of us could feel looking at the beach, but to remind ourselves that God calls you to do what he calls you to do, one at a time. I got to thinking there'd be even a better ending to that story. The better ending would be if that boy said, you know, it made a difference for that one, and he starts tweeting out, hey, there's starfish on the beach, and he Facebooks all of his buddies, and then the snap, Snapchat's everywhere. It's going crazy, and pretty soon there's hundreds of kids on the beach, all of them grabbing fish, uh, starfish and throwing them back in. That, in fact, is the story of our partnership and our global missions, friends. That, in fact, is exactly what's going on in Missions of Hope in the slums of Nairobi in Kenya, because there's lots of kids who've been washed up into poverty, and it's not just one woman and her husband. It is a whole bunch of churches all over the country that have come together to do an amazing work. I want you to hear a little bit about it. So welcome, warmly as you know how, our dear friend, Mary Kamau. Come on, Mary. Mary, Mary, Mary. Have a seat, Mary. We love Mary so much. She's our dear friend, and uh, we want to get you a chance to know her. And some of you have been on mission trips over to Missions of Hope, and you know a little bit about it already, but you're all going to know something about it in a, in a little while here. So Mary, as you know, we're um, talking about Unleashed Love a lot at Mountain, this idea that God just pours out love into our lives and then intends for it to ooze out intentionally on others. And that is Mary Kamau's life. That is Mary Kamau's life. And um, Mary, this Missions of Hope that we support and partner with you in, tell us the story of how it began. I was born and brought up in central Kenya, three hours drive from the city of Nairobi. 
and uh, my family had 20 children because my dad has two wives and I'm the seventh born of the 20 and therefore growing up I thought I was one of the most disadvantaged people in the whole world and I worked very hard in school, made it to Kenyatta University and as a first year student I accepted Jesus, I was baptized and I joined a group that would go to different communities to evangelize and in one of such meetings I met somebody who had been born and brought up in Madarevari slums and he told me about Madarevari and that touched me and because I had never heard of such a poor community and I just felt a nudge in my heart to want to go and see it for myself and I went on a Saturday morning and that was the turning point of my life. I'd never seen such kind of poverty and, uh, uh, and when I looked aloud and I saw the children, the suffering that was there, the poor living conditions, it just made me wonder why the government was allowing people to live like that and were there any Christians that were responding to the needs of these people. And the more I asked myself these questions, the more I felt like I needed to do something about it. Let alone I got married, we had two children, and in the year 2000, we started a Hope Center with 50 children, age four to six. Wow. So you're tracking this, right? You grew up in Nairobi, had never seen the slums in your own city, comes to Christ, feels after visiting you've got to do something, and oh dear, uh, honey, guess who I brought home? Only 50 children, and now we've got Missions of Hope. That was the year 2000, 50 children. What God has done since then is remarkable. Tell us a little bit about the growth and the blessing of God in Missions of Hope. Over the last 16 years, God has connected us with great people, people that are so loving. Uh, one of them is this church, Mountain Christian Church. Pastor Ben and Pastor Tom came and visited us. And over the years, God has just expanded us. And now we are working in 17 different locations. And we are also opening two more schools in January. And in total, we have 13,711 students. Wow. Amazing. So you're tracking, you're tracking with that, right? So 50 to 13,000. And also in January, we'll launch two more centers that'll take it to 19 schools and centers for a total of roughly 15,000 some some kids that, that whose lives are going to be completely different. Now, we probably need to appreciate that. Many of us have been on mission trips. Many of us maybe in this room will go in the future uh, to be part of this and experience it um, firsthand. All of us are part of it in important ways through our supportive mountain. But if you've not been there, um, it's maybe hard to grasp um, what the situation is like in the slums. Help us maybe understand and appreciate what, what it's like for a child, especially on the streets of Mathari Valley or the slums of Nairobi. Children born in the slums of Nairobi have it really love because they are born to families that live on less than $2 a day. 
most of the times their basic needs are not met. And when I say basic, it is so basic, like food, clothing, shelter, and therefore you find that most of the children are just out there, they have no opportunities to get education, and they end up even looking for ways to survive after surviving the early stage of life, and they go out in the streets, they look for food in garbage, they look for food from people, begging from people, and when they can't get food, they end up stealing, others get involved in drugs, and all kinds of bad things, including child abuse, and it is really, really touching but with god all things are possible and thank god for missions of hope yeah you know uh, in conditions that are harsh poverty and the like it's always the weakest and most vulnerable that pay the greatest price it's the children most often which is why god's people are called to be a voice and a strength for the weakest among us and especially for children so you've described a situation with a lot of starfish on the beach a lot of these kids in the slums. What's the strategy? What's the vision? The ministry we are doing is about giving hope to these children and their families. Uh, we do a holistic ministry whereby it all starts with child sponsorship. We start by having the children sponsored coming into missions of hope, and then they give us an entry point to their families. Once we build relationships with their families, we are able to identify other areas of need. We are able to refer these people uh, to our empowerment programs. Uh, in missions of hope, besides educating and feeding the children, we also have a business development uh, services program, where we have a microfinance program, as well as skills training program. We also have uh, health programs, whereby we are able to educate these people mostly on prevention, nutrition, and things like that. And we use a strategy we call CHE, Community Health Evangelism, which is all about empowering the people so that they can be able to meet their own needs. And our job is actually to facilitate them. Instead of giving them hard doubts, we call it putting their hearts up so that they can be able to help themselves as well. And it is very empowering. It's a process that begins with child sponsorship, and that kind of gives access to the family and all these other ways that, that God opens up after that. We could tell hundreds of amazing stories. We've been at it long enough from the first time we visited back in 06, um, and child sponsorship came online. These stories of transformation in a child's life, like give an example of just what could happen in the life of a child. Uh, there is this boy, his name is Clyde. Clyde was a, a, a child right there in the slums, uh, having been rejected, him and his mom being rejected by their and extended family. And then uh, we recruited Clyde into our sponsorship program in 2007. He got a sponsor. He joined our school. Let alone in eighth grade, he sat for a national exam, excelled in that exam, went to the best national high school in Kenya, excelled in his high school exams. And today, he is actually in University of Toronto, Canada, on a full scholarship from MasterCard Foundation. Yeah. And that's just one example. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how Clyde comes back and he talks to those kids. He looks them in the eyes, a kid who grew up in those same streets, and talks to them about what God can do 
um, through us and through the love and help of others as well. It's powerful and beautiful. Um, so it's not just the child individually, it's a whole community and all the holistic ways that we try to engage, right? So maybe give an example of what that looks like in a real person's life when a number of these different programs actually come together and work. I'd like to share with you the story of Sabina, who is that at two years old. Uh, we came uh, in touch with Sabina when she was bedridden because she had AIDS. Her husband had abandoned her and two children in one of the shanties, and she was there without anything, no food, nothing. And when we found her, we started feeding her, we started encouraging her. She joined one of our support groups. Let alone, after she regained her strength, she got enrolled in our skills training program. She eventually uh, got sewing skills and beadwork skills and later on she was able to graduate with a sewing machine started her small business got a microfinance loan and expanded her business and uh, and her life just was totally different and was totally changed and she was totally transformed and today we have also hired her to work for us as a machine operator in our production unit because we do the production for our school uniforms and that's what God can do as he transform life. So now she's overseeing the production of 15,000 uniforms for kids but was dying of AIDS left by her husband and it's just an example of what love, love was what began it, yeah. the women circling her with love and then helping her have a sense of hope. Um, that's really the key. Uh, we sometimes don't understand poverty. We think it's a lack of resources, primarily, or we think it's a, um, you know, some, some lack of money or something, but the key is hope, isn't it? And that's why we call it hope, the hope partnership. It yeah. puts hope and a possibility for how life can be. We've used the word transformation many times in this sort of conversation, and it's not an exaggeration to say. Uh, the, 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 the big change that happens in a person's life. When, when you're there, if you've been there, you've been maybe to the Pangani Center. It literally is a building that rises up out of the slums. And as you uh, stand here on the third or fourth floor, you can look out over the community and it, it, it is uh, very tempting to see it as a valley of despair. Mathari is a valley. It's a low point in many ways. Um, it's about three and a half miles long and a half mile wide and there's about 800,000 people jammed in there living in these squalor conditions like this. Um, and then you might notice the subtitle, if we can zoom in on that a little bit, transforming the valley of darkness into the mountain of God. That's the point of transformation. You stand up here, and there's a bunch of mountain kids standing here. You stand and look out over that. You don't see despair. You see you're standing literally in a beacon of hope, and you hear the voices of the kids in these classrooms behind you, and they're reciting scripture, and they're learning uh, important truths, and they have purpose, and they're laughing and hanging out and wearing their uniforms, and they're, they're literally, the, that's the sound of hope. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it all kind of traces back to a dream we had, you had, about what if we could have people sponsor a child, and that would, would be this gateway. Remember when Tom and I visited, she, had, she pulls out this list of, uh, tell, tell this story about the. Yeah, when they came in 2006, October, uh, we shared with them the, the story of Missions of Hope, and by that time, we had over 500 children that were on the waiting list, hoping that one day they can come to the Hope Center. And they 
you know, I kind of showed them this list and they took a video of that. And Pastor Ben asked me if I go back to our church and ask people at Mountain to sponsor these kids, will you put them in school? And you can guess what my answer was, yes. And that's how it yeah, I didn't know you were going to come up with 12,000 more after that, but, <laughs> but um, that was a turning point, and it wasn't just Mountain. It was a whole a bunch of, we tweeted it out, and a whole bunch of churches are part of this beautiful partnership all over the world now. And um, we have 153 more real kids whose lives are waiting to be changed who are right now on the streets that we want to get into these schools and uh, you can pick up a sponsorship packet today it's thirty eight dollars a month it'll not just change their life it'll change yours we have kids that you can sponsor from ecuador and other ministries romania and india as well if god's blessed you in a way to do that don't you won't ha- you won't regret that investment forever it really is a change it changes the destiny and we're so grateful we just want to say thank you to you um, Mary, for your faithfulness, your love of these kids. You and Wallace have been troopers from the beginning, and uh, we want to be uh, remaining to be good partners with you here, there, and everywhere. Um, one other thing we probably need to say is um, she's got a one bad habit, and that is she keeps stealing staff members of ours who are now serving over in Africa. You might recognize some of these faces. Uh, Dennis and Renda Curran have served with CMF. Our own Kylie Castens uh, grew up here at Mountain. She's here this week. Um, grew up here serving now with Mary, and, and we just sent these guys off a little bit ago. Remember, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's Hannah Gerber and her parents uh, who are over there serving, Pat and Katie. And Pat is kind of whining to me on social media a lot. He's really missing chocolate chips. Will you take those back to Pat and give him a big hug for us when when you see them, okay? They'll be ready uh, for that. And, uh, you know, one other thing we just want to do is um, you taught us a really cool tradition when we were visiting. When you go into a classroom full of these kids, they have a really warm tradition of extending love. It's called the wow. Tell us how that works. Well, uh, in Missions of Hope, we have a tradition of appreciating each other, appreciating our friends and our partners, and we normally call it wow. So what we are going to do, I will request uh, Pastor Ben to help me appreciate you. Mountain Christian Church, you have been great partners. You are sponsoring our kids, and I want us to appreciate you. And when we say wow, and we do our hearts like this, you are to receive like this and also say, wow. You cross your arms and you fall back like you're really being, your, yeah. your socks are being blessed off. And receive. Okay, and you yell, wow. You yell, wow, when we yell, wow. Got it? Okay. Okay, okay. let's get to so it. So we, we have to warm up our hearts first. Yeah, we warm up our hearts. And remember, you have to receive. Okay, let's go. One, One two, three. Wow. wow. Hey, let's bless her right back, okay? Big, lot of love, lot of love. Everybody, warm it up, warm it up. I mean, really, really warm. She's, she's ready to receive, apparently. <laughs> All right, ready, everyone? Here we go. One, two, three. Wow. Ah, thank you, thank Mary. You. We love you so much, and we appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much. We really do. Thank you. You know what? You know what we need to do and give a big wow to is all of our mission partners. We have a whole bunch of them who are here today. Let's get them out here and say hi to all of them. Come on out here, you guys. Let's get all of our mission partners out here today. Here they come. We have... um, We have... Distinct partnerships with 34 different missionaries or mission agencies around the world in every continent except Antarctica. If you want to go, let us know. We'll think about it. But um, 
That's amazing, and uh, we just want to take a moment, and then there's people at the campuses live, there's probably five or six or seven more at each of our other campuses as well. We have some who are, who are here at the Mountain Road campus. This is Carlos Franco, who's down in Brazil, working there with church planning and, and leadership development. Our friend Chad Trageser, right from here, is now doing campus ministry in Australia. Dan, who's serving in, uh, in a restricted access area of, of Southeast Asia in creative arts with his wife, and Dee and Eric Duggan have been partners with us in Mexico for for I don't know how many years, and Heather Gentile representing her family working in Italy. Joe Wilson from down the road represents Pioneer Bible Translators who translates the scriptures and gets it all over the globe. Such an important work. You met Cami and Jordan who are working with students uh, in the university in Mexico and Puebla. And a couple of our mountain girls, our own Katie Titino, who works um, in back-to-back ministries, helping kids go on mission trips all over the world, and our own Kylie Castens, who grew up right here, works with Mary and Wallace now at Missions of Hope, and Samchai Panya from Thailand, and Timothy Pungzar, uh, who, who works in Myanmar, and Wallace, the better, and oh, not the better half, sorry, Mary, the other half... <laughs> The other half, and these represent so many others. Here's what we want you to hear today. And on behalf of all of us, let me say something to you. Um, uh, This group of people, as we come before you today, we want you to hear something loud and clear, and that is that we love you and support you and believe in you and are so grateful for you. We want to encourage you right now because we know there are times when it is not easy, when you are far from from home and family and chocolate chips, or uh, when you wonder perhaps if it's worth it, when it's lonely and difficult, scary and hard. And in those moments, as we anticipate they will come, we want you to remember this moment and remember these faces and these arms and this love. And hear us pledge to you, we'll do our best to be on mission here. And you do your best Stand firm, let nothing move you, and always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because your labor is not in vain. Let's show our appreciation mountain to this group of our heroes, mission partners from all over the world. Thank you. Thank you so much. We love you. And hang out this week as you guys make your way back to rest. I'm telling you what, these guys have such a busy week. We want to be checking your schedule, and you want to be finding ways that you can connect with um, some of these missionaries. There's events almost every night of the week, and I hope that you'll take advantage of some of those opportunities. Huge, uh, huge wins. I just want want you to just feel and sense that the mission of God is the most important work in the world, and each of our lives is meant to be caught up in it. It's meant to be the story of our lives. It is worth your best prayers. It is worth your most ardent energy. It is worth your best ministry. It is worth your most radically sacrificial generosity. Because in the end, ultimately, nothing else really does matter. What a privilege it is to be in the company of friends like that and the ones you're seated around right now who are on mission together here, there, and everywhere. We're just so grateful, and I'm grateful to be part of it myself. 
So what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? How are you going to serve? What are you going to give toward the mission of God and the way he looks at the world? You know, Unleash Love is this thing we've been doing over the last several weeks, and it's been a great opportunity for us to pull together and just say, we're not only we're going to have a time of spiritual growth, but we're going to invest our time, our talent, and our treasure in the mission of God all over the world. You're seeing one part of the fruit of that, and there's so much more that God wants us to do. And that's why we've been inviting everyone to sort of participate in this endeavor called Unleash Love. We've captured um, some of the sense of what God is doing in our midst on a short little video. I'm going to invite you to watch that right now as we kind of celebrate that. God has moved in our hearts through this Unleashed Love to unleash our love and our hearts to the children of Mountain. We've been blessed and we want to be a blessing. It was um, an exciting thing for us to sit down and even start to consider what our commitment would look like because God has truly been faithful and it, it, it was scary and intimidating but yet something we were so looking forward to because of his faithfulness we can step forward in that and know that great things are going to happen. Unleash Love um, for us is uh, just an opportunity to step outside ourselves and do uh, what we feel is a God-sized commitment in our time and our talents and our treasure. What we really find exciting is that the fact that God is such a big God and he allows us to be a part of doing big things, taking our time and our energy and our resources, I and mean, when we put it towards what God wants to do, we know that something great is going to come as a result of that. I'm going to unleash love by shoveling my neighbor's yard for $5. I'm going to give it to church. I'm going to unleash love by helping around the house and everywhere I go. I'm going to unleash love to give it to someone who needs it. One way I'm going to unleash love is by helping with children's ministry, and one way we're both going to unleash love is by inviting our friends to climb. Let's unleash love! This unleash love commitment means a lot to me. It means by expanding our ministries, we can reach more of the people who are lost and need Jesus in their life. Unleash love to me means that I can just be a blessing to other people because God has loved me and he has given me so much unconditional love that I want to share that with as many people as possible so that they can give it to other people as well. Okay, so here's where we are. Next weekend, December 3 and 4, is already upon us, and that is our celebration weekend. We hope to share some of the results of the total for people who've said, here's my total giving to Mountain over the next two years because we want to unleash love in all of these ways we've been talking about in recent weeks. So next week, we hope to unleash, uh, unveil that number. And then also, um, it's what we call our first big give. It's the, it's the time when the fulfillment period of Unleash Love begins, and we start with this new flow of generosity. And frankly, I just hope, friends, we just blow the doors off. I want to encourage you. I'm unapologetically saying to you, uh, if you've made a commitment, don't forget, plan and prepare. We start next week, and the more you can do the first week 
to have the largest offering we've ever had, the better. So many of these open doors we've been talking about with campuses and church plants and other things need funds up front. So let's just, if you've got stored resources, you've got money under the mattress, this is the time to bring it out and give it to the Lord. I'm, I'm going to tell you, this is so amazing. woman handed us um, this coin, and I was like, okay, awesome. It's a, uh, it looks like it's worth a uh, dollar, fifty dollars, I don't know. Oh, then I figured out it's solid gold. It's real gold. It's worth a thousand dollars. She's like, yeah, my boss gave it to me. I don't know what to do with it. So, so don't go spend this on, on something else uh, at face value, but invest it in the eternal uh, purposes of God. It's worth a lot more that way. If you've got stuff like that, I loved her creativity as a way of saying, and I'm putting it in my pocket temporarily, folks, trust me. Um, but uh, you know, next, next week will be a, a huge way to sort of kick off this whole next season of Mountain's life, and I'm really looking forward to it. I also want to just say, I know, totally get that some of us have not, uh, we weren't here, you haven't had a chance to talk to your spouse, or for whatever reason, you haven't filled out a card, you haven't turned in a commitment card. Here's the, here's the deal. Our earnest gut level prayer has been, God, just help as many, like 100% of people who call Mountain Home not to miss this, to be in on something that you're going to do in their life and to be in on what you're going to do through all of us together. So right now is your moment. We're going to uh, sing and receive offering in a minute. If you haven't filled out a card, do that right now. It's right in front of you. Grab it and prayerfully consider, God, what do you want me to do? Write a number down that represents some kind of gift that you would want to give to the Lord through this place to do more of what God's been doing for 192 years and then um, trust to God with the outcome. Let's have a moment of kind of quiet reflection and prayer. Some might be writing on cards and others of us. Let's just pray for unleashed love and what God is doing here, there, and everywhere. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the touch of your love that we have felt and seen and known in personal ways. We've thought about it at Thanksgiving. We've seen it on stage today in the stories that Mary has told. We pray that we would not only just receive that love, but you would build in us a desire to unleash it and share it through our very lives. And so empower us and encourage us. And for those who have made financial commitments as you've blessed and as you've blessed and moved others right now even to be turning in a card. God, just will you take whatever we give and humbly offer to you. Will you just do something amazing and give us more stories to tell for your sake, your kingdom, your glory, your mission. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.